0: If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Coran.
1: That's right, everybody. We're back, and this is episode 102, Mental Health in the Workplace with Megan Mee. I'm Matt, that's Mike, and this week we'll be discussing how to keep your employees' mental health in mind, how to handle massive workloads, and taking quote-unquote good vacations. Then we'll be discussing how to handle, manage, and hopefully improve your mental health as a solo worker slash freelancer in our web news. Now, if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on Patreon, leave a review or rating on the podcast app that you're listening to this on, join us in our Discord server, or share this with your friends. And now it's time for our weekly pain point. So, Mike, please
2: take it away. All right. Uh, weekly pain point this week is work-life balance. So I've been really trying to nail it down um, where I just don't work too much and, you know, I could spend time with my family. But it's always a challenge because I'm not like there's no complaints because I really like my job. Uh, and that, that's been kind of the challenge where I've been going in and trying to do too much work. Or I just, you know, put my head down and don't realize when I pick my head back up that it's got, been like eight hours and it's nine o'clock all of a sudden. Um, that happens a few times. But the negative of that is like, you know, I should spend time with my wife. I should spend time with my family in general uh, sometimes. And I should spend time disconnected from work because as soon as you get too in it, like your brain starts working a little bit differently. I've always noticed that if I am really invested in a project and i've just been doing it all all of a sudden like nonstop. and then a month later i go back and look at that code some of it's weirdly written uh where it could have been more efficient if i would have just stepped back for a bit and thought about it in a different way it's like that's always worked better for me so that's why i've gone and like really demanded myself to stop working during certain times um and go and do you know go for a walk play some games uh, make dinner whatever um So, that's been my challenge these last couple weeks, uh, because there has been a lot of work, and it's all been really interesting, and there's been a lot of meetings. So, between the meetings and the work, I've had a hard time balancing it. This weekend, I kind of was able to disconnect. I played some Last of Us 2. I'm not going to throw any spoilers out there, although there's tons of spoilers already out there. Um, And, yeah, we spent most of the weekend actually playing that. It was pretty awesome. There you go. Did you beat Mm it? Almost.
1: Almost. Okay, wow. And In in just a weekend. That's pretty good. Pretty yep. good. Uh, for my wiki pain point, it's uh, a <clears throat> Monday morning mania. Um, not to, er, also known as Shirlene mania, a little Archer, uh, a little Archer, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Easter egg Reference, in there for you, yeah. for anyone, for anyone that uh, knows what Archer is. Um, although, uh, yeah, so Monday morning mania, just, uh, just a bit of craziness, bunch of phone calls, missed phone calls, bunch of emails, bunch of projects that were you know, seemingly sleeping, have reawakened uh, in addition to the fact that there are a bunch of, uh, there's just a bunch of stuff happening in like our regular projects. So regular projects are on the go, old projects have woken up. It's a little bit, a little bit of chaotic, but you know, that's the, that's the Mondays as the kids would say. I don't know if the kids would say that, but um, I'd also like to take this opportunity. So that's the end of my weekly pain point. uh, But just to remind everybody that we do have that, that 100th episode celebration giveaway, Uh, I, I am currently recording this on Monday. This will be, this episode will be out on Wednesday. So I, I would have already, this is so weird. I would have already tweeted about the giveaway. It is a Twitter giveaway. Um, please go to our Twitter. There'll be a tweet on there. I'm going to pin it to the profile and it's about a giveaway. It has the, you know, how long you can, like, what do you got to do? What do you get? How long it's going to be, uh, all the rest of it. So please go to our Twitter, uh, at html everything on twitter or you can just you know look up html all the things and i'm sure you'll find us there just a reminder for everyone to check that and check it soon okay uh so this week uh we sat down with megan me to discuss uh, you guessed it mental health um uh, megan has uh, a bachelor degree in psychology she has experience working uh, for a major uk mental health charity mind um She has also worked for social services in the UK, providing mental health support for families. Currently, Megan runs a company that works with teams of software engineers uh, to support their mental health and increase productivity. So I'm going to cut over to that call, as we always do, uh, as per usual, but it was a really great conversation. Uh, We got about an hour with her, and then uh, Mike and I continued on, um, I was going to say solo, but as a duo, I suppose, and uh, did our web news. So I really hope that you enjoy this call, and I'm sure you'll get a nice little fancy or whatever I do at this point. All right, everybody, we have Megan on the line. And and, uh, even though I just formally introduced you, introduced her, uh, I'd like you to uh, take the floor, Megan, and, uh, you know, let us know what's up, what's going on, and uh, anything else you want the listeners to know about.
3: Okay, thank you. Um, Firstly, thank you both for having me on this platform. It's really great to kind of talk to you, especially with everything going on at the moment. It's really great to kind of reach out and get to know what, people's lives alike like again. Um, so I'm Megan, uh, my background is very much mental health, um, I've worked for mental health charities, I've worked for social services, all in the UK, that's where I'm based and I've now kind of just started off my own company that's working with developers and businesses that work with developers and supporting their mental health and well-being. So yeah, that's me.
1: Awesome, very very topical, and uh, you're right. Mental health is definitely something on uh, everyone's minds today, especially with all the craziness in the world uh, that's going on. I'm sure that mental health has certainly been affected. Uh, and I think we might as well kick off right to the first sort of topic that we wanted to discuss. Where you know what is what is mental health? Sort of as a baseline, you know what is mental health? You know mental mental health usually sort of has a negative connotation associated with it, like the actual term itself. When in fact everybody has mental health, good or bad. So what you know what is sort of mental health? Just so we can set sort a of set a baseline for the episode.
3: So I think this is a really important thing to kind of clarify, because lots of people, like you said, it does have that negative connotation. Um, I would say mental health is the same as your physical health, but your brain and your well-being. Um, So it kind of encompasses your moods, how you're feeling. You can have good days and bad days. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have a diagnosis of something um it's everyone has mental health and that can fluctuate and you can have a diagnosis of a mental health difficulty and still like kind of have good days it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative it's something that we all need to be aware of we all eat well and exercise to look after our physical health there are things that we can do to look after our mental health as well
1: and I think that's really important too, because I was just thinking it, you know, constantly exposing ourselves to, you know, the term mental health and these sort of, these sort of facts is, is, is really critical because if you think about it, even my parents' generation, they, they've sort of, in terms of mental health, they're sort of like, you know, oh, you're fine. Get over it. Or they, their their sort of common terminology that they've kind of accepted is like, oh, that person had a nervous breakdown type of thing. And so it's like one extreme or the other, it's like, you're fine ish, or you're just fine or good there's like one range there and then it's like that person had a nervous breakdown and they accept that. But I feel like we need to sort of discuss that gray area to sort of define like, Hey, you know, this, this wasn't fine. This wasn't good. Those type of things.
3: Yeah. And it's, it's opening up those closed doors. Definitely in the older generations, everything happened behind the closed doors and everything was fine until you open those doors. And actually we need to be discussing that more and, Opening those doors and kind of being like, right, okay, well, things are good in this area, but maybe not so good in other areas. And yeah, those grey areas are really important and finding where we fit and where people are comfortable and different cultures and different places and different people. So different genders is quite a big one in mental health. They'll have different ways of finding where they fit in that grey area.
1: Certainly. Yeah. It, it, and, I, and I would imagine it's uh, critical to determine, you know, determine or sort of define, I guess, that gray area more so that we can prevent going off into the other status, the nervous breakdown status, as it, I know that's not the medical term, but that's what people will say, right? Where, oh, they had a nervous breakdown. It's like, maybe we should have <laughs> intervened a bit before that, you know, before that status, you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, it's catching it before everything goes wrong it's noticing the small signs and putting things in place before you need like that kind of medical intervention.
1: Certainly, certainly. And, like, and with that, I mean, we're obviously uh, going to talk about more on the professional side. Mental health sort of affects everybody in terms of their personal lives and, and professional lives. Um, but just sort of a general sort of question or topic to discuss though, but it's like, when you're at work, I mean, a lot of people are at work a lot, 40 to 80 hours a week, sometimes more. So a lot of your life is spent at work. And so it's really critical that you ensure uh, employees have um, and maintain a good health in the office. So what would you say for someone that is either hiring somebody or working with somebody or is like the supervisor of somebody? So uh, what I mean is, is someone in a position of authority of some sort that, you know, is delegating more or less tasks to other people, how critical and how critical is mental health and how would you, or what suggestions would you make to that person to ensure that their employees or their colleagues that they're ordering around effectively uh, have good mental health throughout whatever they're working on?
3: Um, I think for me, I would say communication is a massive thing. And communication doesn't just mean kind of going, oh, how are you? And then rushing off to the next thing. It's asking how are you and being ready to listen to that answer. So it's being ready to listen and kind of go um, and really ask because so often we, people, people will say, oh, how are you? How are things? And they don't really want an answer. You go to the shops and they ask, oh, how's your day been? And if you answered honestly and they've had a really bad day, it would really kind of surprise them. And actually your relationship as a manager or an employee it shouldn't be like that when somebody asks how are you it should be a genuine how are you and a really good technique that managers can use is asking twice so quite often people will go how are you and you'll go oh yeah fine thanks and then if you go no how are you it makes people really stop and think and kind of question and actually how am I Am I am I doing okay today? Is there anything that I need to be aware of? Even if they don't tell the manager what's happening, it it makes them aware of it, and then they might be able to put things in place themselves, um, without the manager actually having to do much more than asking twice. And then they will come accust like become accustomed to the fact that the manager is actually asking how they are, and so. Give it a couple of times of asking twice, you won't need to anymore because people will realize that you genuinely do want to know how they are. So I think that kind of communication and genuinely wanting to know what the answer is and wanting to listen to that and giving it the time is really important.
2: So uh, one thing that I've noticed, like sometimes I do have those situations where like my, either I talk to a a colleague or I talk to my manager or something like that, and they notice that there's something wrong and they sometimes to to kind of help me they would give me like a day off or something is there any other ways that they can help w- without just giving you a day off like is there you know any practical implementations for them to take like to actually help with the mental health
3: yes yeah, so um i mean there are practical things in terms of um in the uk we have something called eap it's like a phone call counseling you can kind of offer to your employees um so that's like a professional if something's really they really need to talk to someone about something Um, and then in terms of just restructuring their day finding out okay well what's not working for you is it something at work is it something at home and then kind of rather than just going oh well have a day off because that can quite often go well I've had a day off today so I've got double the amount of work to do tomorrow And so it's just restructuring it. Is there a particular task that you're struggling with? Is it that you struggle? I worked with a young person who really struggled going on trains at rush hour. So between eight and nine o'clock. And they didn't like the busy train. So their employer um, restructured their day. So they didn't have to get to work till 10 or half 10. And so it meant that their day was so much better and they were so much more productive because they didn't have that stress in the morning. And it was just that simple conversation that they were able to have and kind of go, this is how we've changed it. So again, it's coming back to that communication and kind of going, well, rather than just have a day off and don't be my problem for the day, bring your problem in and then see how we can change it.
1: How how critical do you think as well? So you know, there, there's that there's the asking twice. There's you know being being you know accommodating, like Mike said, in the more practical means. How how uh, critical is it in? So like, I guess what I'm trying to get at is those are very deliberate actions. But I find that maybe there's some things that you know supervisors or you know team leads or whatever can do in their everyday communications. And what I mean by that, I'll kind of give an example. So in the tech industry, you know, urgency deadlines are always like a big thing, of course, as they are in other industries as well. And one of our, one of the biggest things, and Mike and I have talked about this constantly, is either uh, urgency that's just been brought on too quickly by a client or something like that, where they don't understand, you know, how long something would take to engineer. And so they're like, let's have it done tomorrow. And it's like, uh, you know, a few weeks, bud. <laughs> but also um, sort of false urgency is, and that's my number one most hated thing, obviously, in the workplace, um, as Mike knows, is people will... They, they send all of their emails, wordings, um, or even just in, in their wordings and phone calls where it's all, it's all the same, I guess you could say where, you, you know, you talk to the, you talk to them and, and they're like, yeah, like, you know, we need to get this done and that's how they word it. But they don't, they don't stay how state, how urgent it is. So what I do personally, and I'll kind of let you critique and, 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 uh, take on this topic in a sec here. But what I sort of do is I oftentimes will say, you know, here's X thing here's the next steps and, you know, do this at your leisure or, or something like, you know, uh, we we need to do this, this, and this I'll do this tomorrow and you just do this whenever. And then I'll tackle it later. Like I try to word my emails. I've been doing this lately. I've been trying, I try to word my emails according to the urgency so that people aren't like, Oh my God, I got to go, 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 go. And what I've actually noticed is it has reduced the amount of phone calls I get from clients because sometimes they will panic and just rapidly look at something, not even fully like analyze what I've done, and then just send me an email like, hey, can we make the heading big? And it's like, the heading's already big. What are you talking about? And they had just rushed to get me something. Whereas now I say something like, you know, hey, I've completed this. I still have three, four tasks to do. Just review the first task. I'll keep working at your leisure. Let me know what you think about the first task. And and that's sort of it.
3: Yeah, and that's such a good technique to use to kind of, Be clear about what the priorities are and what your goals are at the end of the day. And because you might think that actually the priority is making the heading big, whereas actually they're going, no, the priority is making sure that people can get this information easily. And you might know a different way to do that. So it's making that a really clear communication.
1: And what do you what would you say about too so another thing that we we uh kind of hit in our industry a lot too is people sort of disappear if you will uh so some of these tasks will take a very long time um or so either it's like let's say Mike and I get a task it takes I don't know a month we do it for a month and then we email the person you know we've been you know going crazy <laughs> trying to do it for this month we send it to them and they disappear for two months or two weeks or whatever it is and they don't really answer what do you think is there is there a way to sort of handle that? Because I know that Mike and I, depending on the task, of course, because uh, we're used to it, but depending on the task, like we will kind of get pretty, you know, worried, like what are they thinking? What are they thinking? And then we start overthinking it. Like, do they hate it now? Like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know?
3: And um, that's a really interesting one, because I think in my initial response, to that is email apologizing. But I think that's a very British thing to do and be like, oh, sorry to disturb you just wondering how you got on with this. But actually I think asking and kind of being like, just want to check that everything's okay. Like I know that you're really busy, but we could just do with some feedback on this. Um, And kind of setting that out before you send it back. So kind of going, this is the process. We're gonna do the work. It'll probably take about a month. We'll send it to you if we haven't heard back in a couple of weeks we'll give you a call yeah just to get some feedback so that we know it's all working for you and make make it that we want it to be working for you and so we're just checking in that it is and if you set that up before you've even started the project that you will be doing that they then can't it, it then takes the pressure off them and it takes the pressure off you that you know that in two weeks time if you haven't heard anything you can make that phone call.
1: That's a good one. I'm gonna use that one honestly because I, I I'm the guy who like wait and wait and wait and then I will send like hey touching base, but I'm like worried to send it. I'm like, do I send it now? Do we send it in ten minutes? You know what do I do? You know, so I'm definitely gonna take <laughs> take a note on yeah. that for sure.
3: Setting things up in advance and kind of agreeing things it really helps. If you're quite an anxious personality or you just worry about these things, you put a lot of work into it. Of course you going to want it to be good and you're going to want to know that it's good and so setting that out in advance and kind of agreeing that before will really kind of help relieve that pressure
1: and with that um i think it transitions perfectly into the next topic we want to touch on which is uh remote workers so obviously remote workers are mostly (laughs) zoom calls like this or emails or just phone calls depending on depending on you know whatever your situation is and so remote workers and mental health, you know, sort of just as a, as a general topic to tackle, you know, is this, is, is this any different or need any special consideration in comparison to someone that, say, works in your office?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, it's a very different thing. You can't have those daily check-ins so easily. Um, so a really good thing that I tell most of the people I work with is that for me – If I drink coffee instead of tea, it means my mental health isn't as good. It's a sign to me that things aren't great. Now, you wouldn't know that if I was remote working. You would only know that if I'm in the office. And it doesn't necessarily mean you need to do anything, it's just something that I notice and people point out to me if things aren't going so well. Um, And so you can't get that getting to know people's little signs so easily with remote working. Um, And I think as well, it's quite difficult to check in on remote working because you don't want to, as an employee, it can sometimes feel like you're being monitored. If someone's ringing you all the time going, how are things going? It can sometimes feel like someone's going, are you working? Are you at your laptop right now? Um, Which isn't always easy. And so it's just having that more structure it's making sure that you're agreeing in advance again, when you're going to have those check-ins, when they're expected to be at their computer or not, and having flexibility because it's so great for your mental health to work from home and be able to walk away and go and see the dog or do some washing up or whatever it is. Um, That's so good for your mental health to be able to do, but also you do need to have that structure. And so it's, it puts quite a lot on the employee to kind of go, okay, well, this is what my structure is going to be um, and I'm going to have a structured space for that.
2: Is it uh, Does it make sense to, well, for these scheduled check-ins to have the check-in with your manager, like direct report, or is it okay to have an HR department handle this, or is it another thing to add to that, is it better to bring someone like you on to the team uh, to have the mental health check-ins with a professional?
3: I think it very much depends what's going on in that employee's life, what's going on with the manager's life, um, what that relationship is like. Sometimes people really click with their manager or whoever's doing the check-ins and actually that's really going to work for them. Other times it might be better having someone from an HR or an external person to kind of come in because you can then discuss the things that you might not feel comfortable discussing with your manager there is always going to be a power dynamic with a manager and employee which there wouldn't necessarily be with an external person um so I think that's something that you could definitely discuss with the employee and kind of say these are the different options like you could do one every two months with someone external and then once a week or once every two weeks with a manager and just kind of but it's making sure that if you're doing it with the manager you're separating out the time where you're looking after your employee and then looking after the job and what they're doing in their role because they're two separate things and they need to have separate time
1: What would you, what would you say then this just sparked a thought in my head? So there's software out there now, uh, that has seemed to pick up a certain, uh, a certain amount of popularity. And this is not me targeting one specific software. There's like a, you know, this is a, a type of offering that different softwares offer and they're trying to emulate, I suppose, the, uh, office environment. And so they will monitor an employee's microphone, camera, like webcam, they have things where people can just drop in and just like drop in and be like all of a sudden like someone's face is there and it's like hey why weren't you at your desk they have like desk detection like all these offers have different things like this and you can as a boss I suppose you can edit these things I've never used these things I've only just heard of them um so I mean we're talking about the difference between a remote worker versus a versus like an in-office worker what what's your thoughts on trying to emulate the office experience where, you know, the lead hand or whatever could literally stand up from his cubicle and look over and see if I'm still sitting there. You know, what's that? Is this a good idea from a digital perspective for a remote worker?
3: Um, oh, that's a tricky one. I can understand the benefits of it because it's having that constant communication again. Um, however, again it feels like big brother is watching you (laughs) a little bit um and it's putting that guilt onto the employee um and kind of saying you need to be at your desk all of the time doing this and actually that's not healthy to be at even when you're in an office environment you sit and chat to the person next to you occasionally or you go and make a coffee and that's okay that's all right to do and I think with homeworking, there does come that flexib- flexibility and there does come that kind of, you've got that responsibility and you've got that control, which is such massive things for mental health, to have responsibility and control over your own time and your own life. It's so massive and really reduces stress and really kind of um, inspires people to work harder almost. And so, yes, they might not be at their desk nine till five, But they might go for a run for an hour, which makes them a lot more productive kind of thing for the time that they're at their desk, or they might have to go and pick the kids up at three o'clock and come back and work in the evening once the kids are in bed, and that's what they need to do. Um, And so I I can see the benefits from an employer's point of view for monitoring what's going on at home, but... I think it adds a lot of pressure and a lot of stress to an employee,
2: yeah, yeah. I agree with that <laughs> and j- just to add to this is like if a company that I was working for were to instigate this program, that would be my notice to start looking for another job yeah. <laughs> as a, as an like an engineer as a like a, a development lead or whatever, like as whatever, I would still be looking for another job immediately because that just means you don't trust me. And I understand the like sometimes you're get, you're gonna get employees that you know take advantage of the system, but it's an easy way to figure that out. Like if they're not performing their job as needed, performance review wise, you know, then you know that they're not working that nine to five or they're not doing enough to warrant their nine to five paycheck. Essentially, because I'm not, I'm one of those people that don't think it's important to get in all your hours every single day as long as you get your job done. The job requirements for you because most of the time it'll balance out as a de- in a development environment you're going to have days where you go over time no matter what you're going to have days where you work on the weekend and we'll talk about the overworking aspect of this a little bit later but it's going to happen and some days if you work four hours and you get most of your job done i don't see that as a problem as an employer or an employee yeah
3: complete i completely agree and i think that's definitely a better attitude to take of well you have tasks to do as long as they're done, they're done.
1: So um, I guess we'll like kind of change gears slightly and kind of like flip the coin and uh, we'll kind of talk from the other side of the fence. So from the, the sort of the workers uh, side. So, you know, what can, uh, what can colleagues, you know, do to help each other? Um, They're usually also loaded up with work and some may actually take on work for others. So, I don't know. I'll just, real basic example if Mike's Mike's really loaded up for work, but he's, you know, really tired and he doesn't want to do it anymore. And I'm in the same state. Some people are just so generous that they'll be like, oh, don't worry, Mike. I'll take on your two hours of work or I'll take on your data entry part of your job for this week. Thanks. So you can take a break. Yeah. Well, I'm not I'm going to
2: take that as a written agreement nope. and I'll send you all that <laughs> nope. <laughs> immediately.
1: <laughs> nope. So, but like hypothetically, like some people might, sacrifice their own mental health to help their colleague. So what, you know, what can colleagues do to help each other and, you know, possibly to avoid that type of situation?
3: Um, get to know each other. um, get to know who is the person in the office who does that. You'll quite quickly, if you're observing and you're aware of what's happening around you and you're kind of going in with that attitude of, I want to focus on mental health. Um, you will very quickly notice who's the one who picks up, who's the one that makes the notes in the meeting and sends them around every time kind of thing, who's the one that picks up when other people are dropping things. Um, And I think as well learn each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, Matt, you might really enjoy doing the data side of things, and so that wouldn't be as much of a stress on you mentally um whereas it might be for someone else kind of thing and so it's it's acknowledging that some people enjoy different jobs and highlighting right who enjoys these jobs and if no one enjoys them it's okay right we need to split these and make sure it is fair and it's not the same person doing it every week kind of thing um so yeah having those that communication having that Honest conversation again.
1: And honestly, it kind of, it, it, one of the things that all this is sort of building up to is the fact that as a team works together, um, it kind of sounds like, you know, short of anything toxic happening, the mental health of the team will improve. You know, the mental health might be at like a B level for project one, but as the team works together and they go to project two, maybe it's at a B plus or an A minus or something like that if you were to take it into a grading system. And so, you know, it is important that. I guess it's almost important to say that if you start a new job, you know, you're going to be nervous. There's going to be a bunch of other, you know, you're not going to know anyone there. So your mental health is going to be affected generally, you know, to the, to the lower degree, but it will improve as you start to learn, you know, who you can approach and who you can work with. And maybe I really like data entry and Mike hates it or whatever. So certainly. Um, So with that, then uh, we'll move on to the next sort of topic here. So I was thinking, um, you know, all this stuff is really great. There's a lot of actions we can take as colleagues and there's lots of actions we could take as, you know, lead hands and supervisors and, and business owners, but new entrepreneurs, like brand new right out of the gate, especially, especially if they're running like an actual quote unquote startup where they're running around with their heads cut off effectively, uh, you know, they have their hands full and, uh, you know, what can they do and, you know, should they really pay attention to mental health with them being so busy?
3: Yeah, it's, most important at that point to pay attention to mental health because if you're not looking after yourself then you can't run a business you can't manage other people you can't make those decisions whereas if you're taking that time out to look after yourself and doing the things that are important to you then it will make everything else so much easier because you've not got that added pressure of high stress levels or anxiety or low mood or whatever it is that's kind of being expressed and I think involved in that is being able to say no which is something in startups definitely that I've seen it's Yep, we'll take everything we'll do everything we can do this because you've got that enthusiasm you've just started something new it's exciting you're kind of like in that honeymoon period of we can do this um but it's acknowledging that actually you do sometimes need to take a step back and say no that's not my area of expertise or actually no you can't have it for this friday you need to have it for the friday after um, so it's not always saying no directly. It's kind of saying, well, we can't do it for them because actually on a Friday afternoon, I finish at two o'clock because that's what I need to do. Um, or whatever it is, or it's making sure that you're prioritizing your own well-being because you can't help other people if you're thinking as well.
1: And what would you say then for, um, you know, same, same situation, but let's say someone, some of these startups will get a big investment at first. And so they get, they actually do end up hiring five, six people uh, right off the hop. Uh, what can, you know, wh- what's that situation look like for mental health? Because if, you know, if I'm, if I'm freaking out <laughs> as the owner, let's say if I'm freaking out, then I'm going to just start delegating stuff like crazy. And it's going to be like, we're all, you know, we're all in trouble here. So I can't help you. If you're stressed out, we did, we need to get this done. So how can you, or like, how should you sort of handle situations like that? When, you know, it is going to be rough, a rough go for a year or whatever it is. It is going to be rough regardless. How do you sort of kind of tame that or help with that or deal with it? I
3: think acknowledging it, Acknowledging it if things aren't quite going to plan, acknowledging it if it's going to be a rough couple of weeks and go, okay, this is what the next couple of weeks are going to look like, or months, or the next year is going to look like. Are we all willing to engage in that and put ourselves through that so that we can get the positive at the end? Making sure it's again signing up to that contract before you've done it and saying and agreeing that in advance are we all happy to do that because it is going to be tough and then going okay when things get tough what are we going to do what is it that for me if someone a lot of people are like right bring me a cup of coffee if I'm sitting there looking stressed bring me a cup of coffee for me that would be the worst thing to do I need a cup of tea but for other people that might be the best thing to do um for some people, sitting and watching the sports might be a good way to like spend their lunch break. For other people, going out for a walk might be. Um, and so it's finding out, okay, when you're having a bad day, what can the rest of the team do to support you? Because actually, if you're having a bad day, we don't want it to affect the rest of the team, and we want it to make it a better day tomorrow for you. Um yeah, so kind of signing up for it and making sure everyone's aware that this is going to happen, and making sure you've got a plan if it goes wrong.
1: And 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 with that, there's you know, especially with startups, there seems to be, well, there there is like you know, major deadlines that need to be reached, and you know, the new team usually, and so you know, you know, you don't have the seniority, or you maybe you have never done X project or X type of project before. With that. Should okay, so as a manager or as a person that's selling the product, oftentimes you'll you know say it'll be done in three weeks when in reality you'll you will tell your team, you know we should really get this done in two weeks or something like that, or yeah you, you know, um so under promise over deliver basically uh, as a point it boils down to so is that a good tactic for your team because I feel like If let's say you told them that everything needs to be done in three weeks, you know, you you tell the client three weeks and then you go to your team and you say two weeks. Now you're kind of putting a bit of stress on them. And then when it hits closer to the end of the two weeks, if they're not done, you're like, don't worry, I've negotiated or, you know, however you worded, we have another week or we have some leeway. Or should you just straight up say to your team, we have three weeks, let's try to hit the two weeks. Like how open should a manager or like a salesperson in this case be about those deadlines?
3: Um, that's a really difficult one because I think it very much depends on the team. It depends on the project and it depends on the customer. Um, if it's a customer that's going to be, it's going to really pay off that it's a week early and they're going to be really pleased with that, then yeah, definitely kind of give yourself that time to be early. I would say that you should always do that anyway you should always give yourself that bit of extra time that bit of extra contingency to make sure that you're not cutting it really fine and like to the last minute um definitely take that time uh i think in regards to telling your team that i would say it depends on your team it depends on it's a bit of trial and error You could try it that you tell them it's two weeks and we've got to get it done, see how it goes. Um, And then the next one, say, okay, it's three weeks hard deadline and we need the soft deadline is in two weeks and kind of give them that control. I think people do tend to work quite well with control as long as they're happy with that. Um, It does reduce stress to know that this is a choice that they're making and they're all going to work together to beat that deadline um so yeah get to know your team I tend to like to finish something before the deadline anyway so I would be then cutting that two weeks down I would want it done in a week and a half for my personal deadline and so I'm then cutting that deadline even more so that would put me under even more stress but other people may kind of go oh well it's not due for two weeks I'll start it in a week and so it depends on your team very much
1: okay and 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 so okay so with that being said um sometimes uh sometimes like a manager or or whatever will or at least i will this this actually happened today on a project where i didn't know how long something was going to take and so i went to uh i went to A developer we work with, Greg, as I've mentioned mentioned to you before, Megan. And we've, uh, you know, I basically let him drive it. I was like, this is the task. I haven't told the client how long it's going to be. I gave them like a total ballpark of like, I can't even remember what it was, but it was like a real ballpark figure. And I'm going to let you drive it. You tell me how long it's going to take, you know, tomorrow or whenever you have the chance. And then I will tell the client that. Now, I, I guess what my question is, is that's sort of, I guess it's leadership versus, it's leadership versus mental health versus salesmanship. Like, of course, the client wants it today or like now. The, you know, as a leader, you should set a date, you know, in time. But then, you know, if you give it to your staff, you know, I, I trust Greg to tell me an accurate deadline. So I, I'll give, do that to him. But like, let's say it was someone else that I just recently hired or whatever, and it wasn't somebody that I trusted. And they were like, ah, eh, four weeks when it re- like when I even know it's going to take two days, for example, let's say. You know, how, what's that balance like? Because you don't want to put the pressure on your team by setting a deadline too quick. You don't want to tell the customer the wrong, the wrong deadline. You know, it's like a, it's a web here. And then also there's like the, you know, you want to give the the customer a deadline right away sometimes. And so it's this weird, delicate balance of of mental health versus your team versus trust versus leadership. You know, it's a, it's a big web to unfold.
3: Yeah, it's. It is a difficult one because you've got a lot of things to kind of balance there. Um, in terms of the customer, I always focus on honesty. I feel that customers would prefer you to go, I don't know, I will find out for you, than to lie or to make something up and then be wrong. Um, customers know that you're human, that you don't know everything, you don't do everything yourself. And so, just I think being honest and having that kind of clarity between you and your customer and say, well, I'm not going to be the one person doing this. I need to talk to my team and find out how long they think this is going to last so I can give you a more accurate date and kind of spin it so it's better for them because you're then giving them accuracy. So I don't, I don't want to give you the wrong date and then it'd be wrong. I'd rather be honest with you and make sure it's right. So I think with customers I would always say be honest, even if it means you've messed up a little bit and you've got to admit you're wrong, like just they're human as well. <laughs> they're not gonna expect perfection all the time. People just like people who are honest. Um I think in terms of asking your team, I think to be a leader you don't necessarily have to set strict deadlines all the time. I think sometimes as a leader, it's really important to kind of acknowledge that other people might have better expertise than you in something and might be able to say, actually, no, this is what it's going to take. But again, that's, that's you trusting your staff and trusting your employees and kind of going, I need to trust you on this one. And you'll very quickly learn if they're not trustworthy. And at that point, you need to kind of question well, is this the kind of person that I want working for my business and have those conversations and be like, Look, we're a business built on integrity, on looking after ourselves mental health. That's our main thing. And so we need you to be engaged in that as well. And we like that doesn't seem to be coming across at the moment. Um Yeah.
1: <laughs> it kind of sounds like I mean, everything kind of boils down to just Being more communicative and and not just being sort of robotic of like, hey, I assigned you a ticket or like what, you know, as they do in tech or, hey, I assigned you a task or hey, I, you know, this, it, it sort of sounds like it, it all comes down to all of these topics, leader to colleague to everything comes down to knowing the people you're with, knowing the people you're working with and really like communicating with them effectively and often enough that it's not going to affect their work, but is going to benefit their mental health.
0: Mm
3: hmm. And I think as well, having that environment, making that conscious decision that you're going to have an environment that is healthy for people to work in um, above anything else, because there's no point having a lot of investment or really good clients if your staff aren't going to be able to fulfill their jobs because of their mental well-being. Um and so, yeah, having that communication and having that communication with the focus of mental health and mental well-being.
1: And with that, uh, you know, we'll kind of move on. I can flip the coin again if there's a third side to this coin. Uh, so, you know, time to sort of consider vacations. So I know I, I know, you and I, Megan, had a conversation about vacations. And, you know, vacations are obviously important, Um But it's important to ensure that they're, they are actual vacations, not just that you're not showing up to the office or clocking in online or however, you know, your particular team does it. It's actually a vacation. Um, and I know that we had discussed how sometimes you almost need a day or two of vacation to work extra so that your next week of vacation is actually vacation, because everyone thinks, oh, you're going on vacation, let's just give him all this stuff just in case he, like, wants to do it, or, oh, he's available now, maybe he's doing a staycation, or whatever they call him, so, oh, let, let's give him all this stuff, and then he'll get to my stuff first type of thing, so, you know, what's the importance of actually having time away, uh, should people be, you know, check, maybe not doing work, but checking email, uh, when they're away, you know, what, what's the importance there?
3: Um, I think it's really important to step away, um, Some people are really lucky and have the ability to just do that and just turn everything off and be like, I'll deal with it when I get back. Um, I don't know many people who can just switch off like that, especially if it's your own business, if it's a startup, you're really invested in that. Um, And so I would say kind of agreeing what is acceptable on your holiday and what isn't with yourself, with whoever you're going on holiday with, and with your team back at the office or wherever they are, agreeing that if X, Y and Z goes wrong, deal with it yourselves. If A, B and C go wrong, OK, maybe you can contact me, but making sure that A, B and C need you kind of thing. If if you're someone who really does actually need that connection still, because they prob- A, B and C probably won't ever happen. They probably won't need you, but knowing that if something really does go wrong, you've got that plan, gives you the opportunity to go on holiday and be like, right, okay, I know there's that plan in place. Um, And just making sure that before you go away, you've got that kind of plan of a couple of weeks before, right, these are the things I'm going to start doing because these are the things that need doing while I'm away um or kind of preparing and putting it into perspective like actually if you take that week away you're going to be so much more productive when you get back um people need that time off you need that space away and so going okay I could sit at home and work I could sit at home and do all these extra projects or I could turn it off and say no I'll take the week and then be more productive when I get back.
2: So I have this issue um, on this exact topic where if I go away and I have the option to kind of completely cancel out everything, like turn off my email and stuff, but when I do that, I have this anxiety of like, you know, when I turn it back on, all of a sudden I'm going to have like 50 million emails about some weird bug or something like that I could have fixed in a second had I had them on. And I find myself kind of circulating around that while I'm on vacation, So I I have taken kind of your exact advice where I have specific rules like, you know, I'll leave everything on, but only contact me if there's any sort of, you know, serious issue. That seems to have helped me, but I still get this weird thing where um, someone in the team will contact me off something that's not relevant, like something that's not an emergency, but they just want me to hear about it. Uh, during their week, and that kind of derails my vacation a little bit because now I'm starting to think about this other thing that I could have thought about, like you know, a couple of weeks later. So it's 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 been tough to set those boundaries while also having the balance of like being able to respond in an emergency. Um, I don't know if you have any advice on specifically setting hard boundaries, or is this just something that we kind of have to deal with on our own?
3: I would say in that situation, I wouldn't say to the whole team if this happens contact me I would have a team leader or a specific person that if things go wrong in the team they can go to that person and then if it then needs escalating that person is someone that you trust that will only escalate it if completely necessary and so make it that the field of people who can contact you are less um and a people that you trust will only contact you if completely necessary. Um, and I think kind of potentially as well, easing yourself into it a little bit, I have that time. Um, I have a friend who's a developer and he is now planning to kind of take two days off or a day off before his holiday so that if anything goes wrong that is, oh, we needed this just before you go, like, he's not going to tell anyone he's not on holiday that day, but if there is anything on that day that is last minute, this needs to happen, he can get it done before he goes on holiday. So it's kind of easing himself in that way. And and I think as well, using your downtime at home when you're not on holiday, so when you're watching a film at home or... Like, I have a rule that my phone doesn't go upstairs because then I can't take my work upstairs when I'm kind of putting the kids to bed. It's That's time for us rather than time for, like, work. And so it's removing yourself a little bit at a time to reduce your own anxiety rather than just going away for a whole week. It's doing 10 minutes or an hour or... A weekend where you turn your phone off or leave your phone at the office or whatever it is, rather than going for a whole week straight away.
2: Cool. I'm going to try those tips.
3: I hope they help. Yeah. And
1: uh, one thing I guess, like logistically, Mike and I uh, have been have been looking at, and we haven't done this yet, but we've been looking at getting uh, separate. Separate phones actually, for work uh and personal now we might we might do this, we might not we're not sure yet, but right now everything's just on one you know on one device, we have one phone each, and then you know that's it, but I was talking to Mike, and I was saying like like I like me personally like I bought this phone, and like I don't want to check it sometimes because I am worried that there's going to be like a work email or something on the middle in the middle of the weekend or you know if I'm on vacation or something, and so I'm like, like I want my device back, even though I now have to carry a second device you know that that's like our audiences into UX user experience and technically having two devices is a worse UX in a way, but it's like, I can just turn this, you know, this work device off and get this out of here. Or when I pick up the device, uh, I know what I'm picking up. Like I know I'm picking up my work phone. I know I'm picking up, you know, my personal phone. Like I know that somebody's messaging me like a friend is messaging me on this other phone type of thing. And so I know what type of situation I'm getting into right away. What is your, um, thoughts on, you know, having separate devices for work and for personal
3: i think if you can i would definitely say have separate devices um because it does give you that freedom to kind of go no i'm not working today um and just turn it off completely and then it's a physical thing that you're just turning off um yeah so i would definitely say that i know I've worked a lot in social work and mental health and actually I was working with young people who were very vulnerable and it was very important for me to turn my phone off and actually had a rule at at the workplace that I worked at that you do turn your phone off and it's not allowed to be on after work hours because I could have a young person call me up and it could be an emergency and I haven't got the support of my network at work to deal with that And it's not fair to ask me to deal with a phone call at 11 o'clock from a young person who's really vulnerable. That's not the support that we were offering. And so I think it is really important to have that structure and say, no, we're going off. Or a lot of phones now do focus mode and things. So even if having a separate phone isn't something that you could potentially get or Is too much to ask for you. Putting on focus mode and only letting text through. If you have a specific chat group, um, I know a lot of people use Slack and things, turning that off, turning all your notifications from that off so that you're not getting, keep it all very confined, have have a different app for your email for work so you can just turn it off. If you can't get another phone, ideally, yeah, another phone, another device would be, I would say, the best thing because you can physically turn it off. But if not, there are ways that you can do it on the same device.
1: Certainly. Yeah. okay. because like we were we were thinking I've actually just had this this conversation. I'm on another podcast as well. And like we just recently had this conversation where because things are work from home now some employers who never really cared about your your like they didn't hand out a device like they weren't giving out a work device but they also didn't care it was just sort of like ah, check your email you know on your computer or whatever but the one guy was was saying that you know his friend was asked to install an app for his work on his personal device and they were just like yeah this is just the way it is now like you know just like we're not gonna re- like I, I don't know all the logistics whether they're gonna reimburse them or what but it's sort of like yeah like your your phone is you know effectively an extension of yourself and you you know you just install it that's not their wording but that's effectively what you know they were saying at the end of the day and so it's one of those it's one of those big question marks where it's like hey like i used to just use this thing for my own personal pictures and like texting my friends and now it's now i got this this thing pinging me from work all the time on this pers on this personal device like this is you know this is ridiculous sometimes so
3: i think if it is causing stress or anxiety it I would say get rid of it. It's not worth the benefit of a customer being able to contact you on a Sunday at midday or a Saturday night at 11 p.m. It's not the benefit from that is not worth your own stress and mental health.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think, I think Mike and I are going to take those tips and I think we're, we're probably going to end up separating devices once, uh, once the new year hits more than likely. Um, But in the tech industry, uh, speaking of devices and, uh, you know, side projects and everything else, side projects and side hustles are, 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 are huge uh, in, in the industry. And so, you know, even if you have, let's just say to, to sort of do a, a smooth transition, if you will, uh, even if you have those two separate devices, you know, on your personal side of things, you might have a side hustle or a side project. A, you know, to bring in money, whether it's a passion project or whatever. And oftentimes in the tech industry, that side hustle is actually related directly to your workday. So maybe you're working on a different app. If you're an app dev, let's say you're an app dev all day, you go home, maybe you're working on a different app, but it, you're still working on an app. You're still programming in whatever language you're, you're, you're programming it. And so, you know, how does, how does this affect one mental one's mental health? Because I know that they're that's a lot to do the same thing all day all night and i know that like there's actually been articles come up over the last few years that i've seen on medium here and there where there's like this weird mentality of just do a side hustle and then if it becomes your main thing like make your side hustle your passion and if you you make that side hustle you know make subsidize your income you'll be less stressed because you have money but if it becomes big enough and you get to quit your you quit your you know day job then you're going to be liberated and it's gonna be great but then i'm thinking how many like how many things am i supposed to be doing in my day like can i just sit down for a bit you know so what what is your thoughts on this type of thing
3: um i think find the differences i would say between the side hustle and your main job highlight them to yourself and it will just break it up a little bit Um, I think it's okay to have side hustles. It's okay to kind of do that bit. If you're passionate about it, go for it. Um, But make sure that if it is causing stress, that you're making time away from, especially as developers, making time away from the computer. Making time so that you're not just, and that's not just, right, okay, I'm going to have a break at this time, and you sit and flick through Facebook it's you're stepping away you're doing something else um that is particularly focused on your mental health so things like exercise going for walks cooking something nice whatever it is that helps you as an individual making sure that you're having that set time for that so you're not working through the night um because that will really help and yeah don't be afraid to say no don't be afraid to go actually this is too much at the moment um because it's again getting those foundations you can't do anything you can't build your new project and your new business if you haven't got the foundations in your thinking because you're doing so much you've got to have a healthy mind to be able to focus on developing You have to have that. Like, If you're having a bad day, I'm sure you you both know what it feels like to be having a bad day and sitting at the computer and not getting anything done all day. Um, So you need to acknowledge that and know that you're not going to build anything good on those days. You need to just kind of step away and be like, right, where are my priorities? What am I focusing on? Um, And where can I kind of let things relax a little bit?
1: Yeah, I feel I feel like that's a, that's a critical thing to to acknowledge. Is I I, I almost feel like there's there's maybe it's, it's probably not just tech either, but I, feel, I almost feel like there's like a shame in having downtime. I know that some of my friends, like we all we all play video games uh, and like together, and some of them they'll be like, I feel bad when I like you know boot up a game because I'm not doing something productive. But then my argument has always been like. I mean, like, yes, kind of, but it's like, are you really supposed to be productive all the time? You know, not spend your money on anything leisurely, like, you know what I mean? Your whole life isn't like a, isn't like a textbook. You're not, every purchase isn't for your financial future, you know, and every like moment isn't for your professional future, I guess you could call it. So, you know, it's critical that you have that like bubble of free time you know, and every person's different. Some people are super passionate and all they want to do is code. and then whatever, they're going to code more than someone who does it for money, you know, does it for a job type of thing.
3: Yeah, definitely. And that free time, there is a guilt around it and there is kind of shame about, oh, well, I'm not working and I should be doing this. I should be challenging myself. But actually your brain can't take that. Your brain can't take that all the time. And you need to stop and give yourself that time playing games or whatever it is.
2: I think that power of no, like what you were saying, uh, is something that's been kind of trending lately because I did notice like I had, I did have a lot of guilt before where I would, like Matt said, boot up a game sometimes and I'd be like, I don't want to play this because I have so much in my backlog. I have so many side projects I could work on, so many other potential stuff. And then I'd get to the situation where I would just be looking through the stuff that I want to work on and do nothing. And uh, I've realized that like now what I do is I do a lot of like, you know, prioritization and then just like literally cutting stuff out. It's like, I don't, I'm not going to do this for work or I'm not going to do this for my side project or I'm not going to do this. And that has helped me a lot to have that balance. Uh, And the other thing I've noticed was usually like a junior developer, like when you're hiring someone or you're just getting into the industry, they won't have that skill yet to say no and when you're managing someone like that you have to be kind of the one to institute to like either figure out their tells where they don't want to do it and they are afraid to say no or understand and like try to get it out of them try to get the no out of them early on uh and once you do get the no out of them usually it'll be it'll be easier for them to like give you their priorities and ha- tell you what they can do that day and what they can't. And it's just a better work environment.
3: Yeah, definitely. And it is definitely like kind of junior developers, the people that are new to it, who struggle to say no and struggle to kind of go because they want to prove themselves. They want to do everything. They've still got that kind of passion and think they can work 24 hours a day. And, and so helping them say no and helping them kind of, Again, almost giving them too much choice, and being like, "Well, we could do this or this or this." It's, they're going to have to say no to one of them, um, and then you've got your know, and that first no is will kind of build it up to make it easier to get right the no to the actual one that you want them to say yes or no to.
1: And with I... and with passion. Oh, sorry, Mike, you going to say something? No, no. Oh, go okay. So, uh, and, and with passion, um, you know being passionate about what you do is 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 pretty critical uh and so i guess the you know the final question in our sort of discussion section here is you know does passion matter and a little backstory is like me personally i find that i'm passionate about projects that i thought up uh, or that i'm doing for myself or for our business type of thing but you know i'm I'm not as passionate about let's say client projects in the same way because i just didn't come up with it it wasn't my idea and we're going to do a good job and everything's great. And I appreciate the clients, but it's just like a mental thing. It's sort of like, this isn't, this isn't my baby, you know, I'm going to work on it and everything else. But like, I didn't think of this and I wouldn't have done this short of you bringing it to me type of thing. So, you know, since you work with uh, software engineers, Megan, like, do you find that their mental health is affected by the project that they're working on? You know, for example, it's probably pretty difficult to get excited over something like making a web app for a bank, which is just all numbers, right?
3: Um yeah it is difficult when you don't have that passion for a project it does kind of take a toll it does kind of be like oh i've got to do that one again and especially if you've got other things going on that you are really passionate about and are things that you've kind of chosen to do and so i think if you find that happening remind yourself that it is a choice that you're working on that app and you did make that decision and yes the client brought it to you, but you made the decision to say yes. And it's again, going back to that, are you able to say no? If you're able to say no, then if you're not passionate about it and you don't need it and you're not going to enjoy it, what's the reason that you're saying yes? And use that as your passion. Is it that you're learning a new skill that you can then use on the thing that you are passionate about? Is it that, actually this thing is going to pay for you to do what you are passionate about or for you to take that holiday in two weeks time kind of thing and use that as your passion use that as I think even on things that we don't enjoy or you can still learn so much and you can still especially in developing you can see it when you press those buttons it's like kids and you watch them and it it does all the right things and the little thing on the screen starts dancing in the way that they've told it to it's like yes that's so exciting get that again and think right okay what am I hoping to achieve by doing this and then when it works be a kid about it be like yes I've done it tell someone about it even if you're not that excited yourself by telling someone and going oh I've done this it's working they will then be happy if it's the client, they will then kind of give you that positive feedback, which will then make you feel good and kind of inspire that passion after it. If that makes sense.
1: Perfect sense, honestly. And 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 I think it, I think that's critical to to think of is you, you know you don't have to draw a passion directly from the project. It could be hey, this client's paying good, and I'm gonna buy a car later after this, or I'm gonna say you know this is gonna help me save up for this, or, you know, this is going to help me reach this financial goal or whatever it is that you're buying. You know, that's really critical. Or, like you said, learn new skill. You know, you might not care about showing the balance in someone's bank account or something in the web app, example, for a bank, but now you know how to process numbers or something like that, you know. Drawing passion from anything, Mm. it doesn't have to be exactly like, man, I got to work for this bank now, you know. (laughs) So.
3: Yeah, and that can be the same, like, when you do need tax return, nobody likes doing their tax return, but actually you've achieved that. You've done that. You've successfully built something that means that you need to do your own tax return, which is a massive achievement. And something that you can be like, yeah, today I did my tax return. And that's something to be really proud of. Even though tax returns are really boring and nobody wants to do it. Like, It means so much and it represents so much. So put that meaning into it and you'll get it out of it.
1: I wish, I wish, (laughs) and Michael, Michael, uh, (laughs) Mike knows about this, but uh, I wish I got that excited about tax returns because my tax returns are not calm. I like, I've even told Mike, like, I have to wear an old shirt because I sweat the whole time. I'm panicking. I'm like trying to read the numbers and I always like, We'll do a balance sheet or something, you know, whatever. And it never balances. And then I just freak out. And so we now hire somebody. So <laughs> I let them do it. Yeah.
3: That's, that's the thing. If you're really, if it's causing you that much stress and it's causing you that much anxiety. And it, I can tell it was because like you can tell in your voice and your body language. You were just like, ah, I hate tax returns.
1: Yeah, I just hate let it. Someone
3: yeah. someone else to do it. <laughs> somebody else probably really enjoys doing tax returns. I'm not sure why, but they do. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so get someone else to do it and go, actually, the stress that that's causing me is worth paying someone else to do it.
1: hundred percent. I'll spend those hours not, not stressing and like selling yeah. something to a client or something. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I think that's great uh, capstone to our discussion. Uh, and uh, we usually do the web news. Uh, however, we have, we've hit an hour. So uh, Megan, if you have to take off, you know, feel free to, uh, or else you're welcome to stay for the web news.
3: I'm probably gonna head off just because it's quite late here.
1: No worries. That, that that's what I figured. I saw it getting dark behind you there, so I thought I'd yeah. offer you an out. <laughs> um, but, Thank you. But uh, before before you take off, uh, I'd like to uh, invite you to take the floor and you know any website you know where people can find you. Uh, anything you'd like to shout out? You know, have at it.
3: Okay. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, Megan, me. Um, and my company is called Snowdrop. So it's snowdrop.work. And that's like the website as well. So yeah.
1: Awesome. Feel free
3: uh, and, to contact me.
1: <laughs> awesome. And uh, I was just going to say, feel free to shoot me those links and I'll put those in our show notes so that people can click on them.
3: Brilliant. Yeah, I will do. Thank you.
2: And uh, Thanks a lot, Megan, for your time.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been really great to chat to you both. Awesome speak
1: soon thanks yeah. see you later thanks bye all right mike well uh let's
2: just i guess jump right into the web news um if you want do you want to just jump right in or do you want to cut no yeah
0: into let's just, like
2: three segments okay let's just jump right, jump in. right in let's just jump right okay, in cool. yeah so let's do it
1: okay so the web news um okay so the web news solo mental health freelancers slash solo workers uh this is again, just a conversational piece. So, you know, we often hear about mental health from the employer's perspective uh, relating to their employees. There is also a mental health focus on workers in the office or in large teams. Uh, Nowadays, many of us are solo workers slash freelancers. So how much, you know, should solo workers keep their mental health in check and uh, any tips to improve or maintain a healthy mental state while working in a stressful environment alone? So obviously we've just had a conversation with Megan. uh, And so we kind of have a bit, a bit of the, those tips and tricks. So what is your, what is your thought on this, Mike? Cause we're, we, you and I, we're like in a team, but like you do something separate. Like you're doing a totally different contract. I'm working on different contracts and different businesses, stuff like that. And hat is sort of our commonplace. So we have a weird sort of setup, but for, but I guess if we put ourselves in the shoes of someone who's just, just working, and like just like they they went on to guru or wherever and they they're a freelancer they're alone they're building somebody's site. How would
2: they handle it or how should they handle it in your opinion? So a um, couple ways from what I can see. we've been there a little bit where especially when we started out it was just you and I um, and a lot of the time it was just one of us, right? Like we each had our own project and we had such strict deadlines that we barely had time to have catch-ups. Um, we've had those kinds of situations. We still have that kind of situation. Like last week, we had to have like two separate talking sessions because in one session, we couldn't, you know, do everything that we needed to do. And I don't even think in those two sessions, we got all the information across to each other that we needed to get across to each other. So it's tough. Uh, and so we are like... For a lot of the times, we're on our own, but in in a sense, we do still have teams. If I was completely alone, I'd probably be joining networks of some sort. So whether it be a Discord, whether it be a Slack channel, whether it be something something where I can quickly bounce ideas off of or show my projects, especially if it's just personal projects, somewhere where I can get any sort of feedback. Because the toughest thing when you're on your own is knowing if you're going in the right direction and knowing what kind of progress you're making and understanding Like you're always comparing yourself to the best of what everyone is showing because you're you're reading those dev.2 articles that are showing like a really well thought out piece on some sort of technology that someone's working on. And it's like their best foot forward. But you're not seeing the behind the scenes where they spent months learning that piece or years learning that piece enough to then regurgitate it down to this really well put out article. So that's the tough part. That's like the social media thing where you go on Instagram or Facebook and you see everyone's best moments, but you don't see their worst and you start to compare yourselves yourself. That's the same kind of thing that happens when you're completely alone on a freelance project. Um, When your client is non-technical, you can't really bounce your ideas off of him because they're just, they just look into you to get the job done. Uh, Whereas, so you're just on your own. So my, my personal suggestion, try to, try to get in with a group of developers that are also in your shoes. And there's quite a few, you know, channels out there. Um I don't I guess we'll plug our own here just quickly. The Discord we ha- we have the HTML things Discord, go in there. There are people that are, you know, talking about all sorts of different technologies, but there's plenty of others out there that like if you just type in the technology that you're working on, Discord, the technology that you're working on in Google and uh like whatever like Slack just try to find something where you have like-minded people that you can talk to in regular times. I would say, start going to meetups, local meetups of developers, because then you'll have a a way to express like personally, but obviously in the COVID times or post COVID times, that's not really an option, nor is it recommended. Um, so online meetups, online chat like, you know, groups and stuff like that is where I would go with it
1: that's uh the feedback thing is i think really critical you're right where even in our leisurely time it will be playing we'll be playing games or whatever and we will send screenshots of our moments to our friends like i have a little friend group and we'll be like oh look at this cool you know scenery or whatever from our game that we saw and and even though that's just a leisurely task that doesn't necessarily need you know hardcore feedback and people coming in with um you know what whatever feedback you would have i guess like Work stuff. (laughs) I can't think of anything, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, no one's going to come in and be like, man, maybe you should like load that database differently or, you know, that's insecure or something like that, like something more technical. You know, no one's going to be doing that when it comes to a a personal task, but we all kind of want that feedback. Even people that are afraid to you know, miss out on something and they want to be in the zeitgeist. They want to see that movie day one or in the first week so that they can have a conversation with people or at least see the conversations online and be able to read the articles and be a part of the conversation, even if they're not directly a part of it. And so I definitely think that those are, you know, really big missing pieces out of somebody who's working solo. That's a big missing piece uh, out of their, you know, everyday interaction, really. And with that even being said... You might think that, oh, in school, you know, you you get graded individually, but you see your fellow students, um, at least when we, like, we went to college and it was in person. It wasn't some sort of electronic, you know, like e- e-learning, but we went, we saw other people. It's like, oh, this person's having trouble with this. This person's having trouble with that. And you don't see those Instagram moments only. It's not like everyone's showing up to school with like their best outfit and they're totally fine. It's like some people come in and they're sick. Some people come in and they're like, they're, they're fine. Um, you. I, you saw the decline of me, where we were supposed to uh, wear a special suit, or we were supposed to dress up for a presentation, and I was so done with the project that I just showed up in shorts and a t-shirt, and I just like lost ten percent, and I just like I literally like the amount of don't caring is incredible, like, but like
2: yeah, I would say you we saw more people at their worst than at their best <laughs> in college. Like we've seen some really uh, down, down, like down and out people. And I mean, to their credit, they still managed to show up and kind of pull through for the most part uh, without with a few exceptions. But still, like that's that is more realistic. That is something that uh, that does bring you down, down to earth and give you the motivation to continue on because you're like, well, they're struggling through it. Maybe I should continue to struggle through it, too.
1: Definitely. It's, it's seeing that, you know, you might think when you're doing your homework or something that you're an idiot, you know, you might think, damn, I'm an idiot. Like, why don't I understand this? Then you show up and you see that some people didn't do it or they didn't do it because they didn't understand or they attempted it and they did it all wrong. And that sort of gives you, you know, feedback of like, oh, okay. Or if, if everyone gets it and you don't, then you're like, damn, I got to ask for help. Like, clearly I have to ask for help. Everyone else is getting this. I have to ask for help. And so it's kind of that, that thing that's pushing you along. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's that's probably, like, one of the biggest critical pieces, I would say, out of the and the solo mental health thing. Um, I was going to say, you know, I, I wonder how, and, like, I know I'm asking another question, but I was wondering how I would handle it if, you know, we have, when you and I talk about projects on the podcast, for example, we, you know, we'll change details, change names, change, uh, you know, technologies or, you know, and we'll say that. We'll be like, hey, some of these details were changing live because... For security purpose, I'm wondering how people who work specifically on things that are, you know, very secure uh, or, you know, can't be shared. I wonder how they, how they get through it if they're solo. You know, that's probably got to be the hardest.
2: So I I can shed some light on that. Uh, When you have an issue, at least. So I've had a few GitHub issues. And in some cases, the issue will require you to post a working code where a person can just fire up the project and run into the issue right away. Mm -hmm. So if you can't do that because your job has an NDA, which like a lot of jobs do, um or your for your you know your freelance project has one, what you have to do is you have to make a bare bones project and recreate whatever bug or whatever thing that you want people to see uh without any of your actual you know information the code like the the, the core pieces of the code that are under NDA essentially. So it does take extra time for sure. Mm. Uh, sometimes can take hours to get your, you know, base project, but depending on how severe the bug is, depending on how important it is for you to get feedback on this one spot, that's something that you could do. And it gives you a good, um, it gives you good practice at just extrapolating code blocks out as well, because the more, like the, the easier it is for you to do that, the better your code extensibility is in the sense that you can, you know, reuse that code somewhere else without having any other information tied to it. Um, and when you're building code and when you're writing code, it's important to think about it from that perspective. Like you don't want to build code that's only going to be used once where you can, like if you can avoid it. Obviously in some situations, there's no other way. Like there's very specific situations where you have to build the code to work once. But if you can, you know, extrapolate the function that does the processing of some sort of number data uh, without knowing what the number data is, then do that, if that makes sense. If you can, you know, uh, create a nav bar that doesn't have any of the actual component, like the actual, like, you know, what's in the nav bar in it, but, you know, passes in an array of nav uh, items, and then creates it dynamically, then you can use that nav bar wherever you want just to give it to like a nav bar perspective because I know Matt, you like the nav bar. Um, so that's that's a good way to go about building code anyway. And when you have something like that, again, if it's a nav bar issue, uh, as an example, and you have an issue with the nav bar, you want to just share it, but you can't share the actual nav items because of it's under NDA, then you can easily just uh, take whatever random nav items put them in that array and it'll randomly and it'll build that nav bar for you. Uh, And then you can share that code as a separate GitHub repo.
1: Yeah. um, This actually takes me back a little bit to the IT days where we were having a really weird problem uh, with a gateway and I'm going to have to change a bunch of details because it's under NDA and everything. Uh, But basically we were having a weird problem where just something wasn't routing. Like I'm talking networking and it just wouldn't route no matter what happened. And, We had to like we tried for I want to say weeks and weeks and weeks and I ended up finding you know there was something wrong where the routes weren't happening and um, like they wouldn't dynamically create themselves and so if I did a static it would work which proves that like the firewall isn't the problem and stuff like that not to get into the weeds but we you know we tried for weeks and weeks and weeks it was myself and my boss at the time and then we eventually said okay we got to reach out for help here and so I you know took the day and I had to sort of strip out all the all that stuff, and make a generic situation and say, I have this problem, blah, 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 blah. This is what I'm having trouble with. You know, computer A can't talk to B and like blah, blah, blah. And what we ended up actually finding out was there was a bug in the gateway. Like, so we were the ones, as far as I know, that discovered that bug. Because someone else said, I have the same problem and I'm using X like X hardware. And I was like, well, that's totally different. So something's wrong. And then I forget exactly, you know, what the thing was. But at the end of the day, we were like, okay. You know, what the hell are we going to do? There's a bug in the gateway. We can't do anything about it.
2: That's it. That's exactly it. So that's exactly what you do with NDA'd, like, you know, private code. You have to extrapolate out all the NDA'd stuff and just leave the stuff that isn't working. Yes. And make it so that it doesn't work, <laughs> which is sometimes really difficult.
1: Yeah. Like, like I said, I took the whole, i had to take the whole day because this was a, we're talking not even coding. We're talking, you know, server administration and trying to get, you know, route, like data to route. And it was just, it was a mess. And then it was like, oh, it wasn't us. It wasn't our. It wasn't our fault. It was this. Um, and I think that one of the big things for one of the things, one of the big flags in my head, red flags in my head for solo working too, is sometimes I'll be like, you know, and this is in the past too, when we were trying to learn different stacks, but I'll I'll go to like set up Vue or something, you know, something along the lines, like totally, like let's say I've never used it before, I go to set up Vue or React or something, and I always hit this, and like there's never any threads about the where. They they just say, like, do this, 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 and this. And some of those instructions will be something that requires pre-known things. And I'll be like, where the hell? Like, I press generate. Like, where's the file? And, like, Windows doesn't know where it is. And I can't find it. And I'm like, great. So I just generated a file. And now I'm an idiot. Like, it's like, where is like, this file? And I find that that happens so often with... With learning new things especially alone because i'm just sitting there like well i googled it no one else has this problem i guess i'm just dumb and you know it's not that it's that there are people out there like that uh that gateway situation i had no one was talking about that we had to reach out for help we had to go to the forums and then someone else had that exact problem they're like i'm having this exact problem and it's like oh you know there are people out there that do it and you know this person also obviously reached out for help now too because it's like damn what the hell is going on here and so it's just a matter of I guess fighting through it, I don't really have, like, a solution to that. I feel like if I were to go in and try to learn another, gate, uh, another um, like, piece of a stack, and then I g- hit that same situation where I hit generator or whatever, and I can't find the damn file, like, I'm going to freak. I- I'm going to freak right out. Uh, one of the things was um, years ago now. I think it was, like, SAS or something. I installed it, and it w- I was new to NPM at the time as well. And so I, like, did NPM-G, and I didn't know what that flag meant. And so, like it, it, you know, it's that's the global flag, and so I can use it from CMD anywhere, and like blah blah blah. Anyway, I didn't know that, and so I installed, you know, and you know this. I think it was SAS or something with the dash G because that was in their instructions, but it doesn't explain that. It just says like use this, and then there was another thing I was trying to use with it, and it didn't have the dash G, and so I did the first one dash G it worked. And then the second one, it appeared to not work, but it w- it did work. It was just, I had to go to that directory or whatever to like, because I can't like globally call it. And I freaked right out and I never ended up solving it. <laughs> but it, it, it is one of those things where I wasn't, I didn't have somebody where I couldn't like tap on somebody's shoulder and be like, Hey, like what's going on here? I ended up solving it, you know, the next day or the next week or something like that. But that day it was like, this is a write-off. And so... I know I'm just adding to the problem. I don't really have a solution. Like, I feel like I would still yeah. freak out and that's not great,
2: but. yeah. So for me, like um, when I go to learn a new stack or a new technology, it's a multi-step thing. So a lot of it is documentation, like you're saying, go through and do the NPM installs and, you know, do the configuration files and go through their instructions. But you're right. A lot of the time their instructions are very shallow and they assume that, you know, you know, technology A, B, and C, and sometimes you don't. Um, so the way I solve that usually is, I'll watch a very, I'll watch a series of tutorials that are very basic on the topic. So if it's something like let, let's, let's say Vue JS, uh, there's a ton of tutorials and from different levels. I'll watch the getting started tutorial, like the very you know first one that uh, that I trust, like from a YouTuber that I trust, like uh, Aketamind or Traverse Media, something like someone that I trust and I'll watch it and I'll follow along as he's doing it. And if I can follow along, that usually means that I can continue like going back to the documentation. If I can't, and if it doesn't make sense again, like if he's because they can glaze over things as well. uh, I'll go and find another tutorial until I get past the core building block pieces, essentially. Um, This is if like a a topic is complicated, obviously, which a lot of them are. So that's how I've been solving it on my own. Because like, just going through a documentation and the getting started guide in their documentation, I'd say 50% of the time is not enough for a lot of the stuff that I do. So I need to get a basic overview of how to use this technology, not just the documentation. I don't know if that's going to help you, Matt, uh, for anything, uh, but like... No, for sure- yeah,
1: it, it would, yeah. I think.
2: Because... Yeah, like I think it's important to know that you need that time to spin up i think you're trying to go into it quickly where you're like i need to get this done done Mm -hmm. done that's exactly like i should i should know this technology i've been in the industry for x amount of years but that's never the case uh you should always allow yourself time to spin up on it because as you it'll be slow at the start but as you spin up on it you'll start to understand it more and more and it'll become really quick so it's important to invest that time in the beginning rather than start freaking out like you know six hours down the line where you're trying to figure it out on your own
1: you're you're 100% correct um I'd say with the with the speed because you're I know like when we uh, you and I worked on well I think it was the hat site actually in Vue.js and you, you you showed me like what I needed to do and then there was one point in which I was just like for fun I was like oh I'm just gonna try to figure this out and then I started reading and it's like you need to make sure the router is doing this and that and the other thing and I was like I don't know what this router thing is and then I'm like you know going in and I'm like what the hell is this renderer thing and then I start panicking because I'm like holy crap, like, I don't know what this router thing is. I don't know what this compiler is doing. Like, what's this other thing doing? Like, why are these people using another file? Like, where do I write this? And it's literally, I know I'm rapid firing questions off, but that's how my brain's going. It's like, oh my God, what the hell? What, 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 what? And then I'm just like, then I crash and burn. And it's like, well, I'm going back to whatever Mike told me to do. (laughs) Like, But I think I need that, like, you know, sit down, you know, look at the, because I'm skipping. I'm like going, if there's like a 10, if there's a 10 part tutorial, I'm skipping one and or two. And, then I'm, yeah, and,
2: that's never and then
1: I'm just like, what's going on? Like, where's the compiler? Like, what is that? You know, and I don't know what CMD to use. I don't know where the freaking files are. Like, God knows how many files are just like in my computer randomly because I've generated them. I don't know where the hell they are and never found them. Yeah. And so.
2: Exactly. So like, it. yeah, my suggestion, do tutorial series until you're understanding the basics. Then go back to your code and start writing it and you know figuring out what it is or whatever like figuring out the top, like the, the different functionalities and then when you hit another roadblock go back to the tutorial series mm-hmm. and keep, continue on or like you know skip over the stuff that you figured out on your own and fi- and go to the part in the tutorial that talks about your roadblock mm-hmm. that's how I that's how I learned flutter and dart that's how mostly how I learned vuejs uh, that's how I learned node this exact method Just like I had a project again, the project-based learning. I I was trying to get it done, but to get it started, I needed a base. Like I could, I don't know Node. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know what to do. Like the Express, what is that? Like I have no idea. Like I had zero clue. So I just watched the tutorial. And the first time I watched it, I think I just kind of just sat there and watched it to understand the terminology, to understand what's going on. And then I went back and then I, I coded along with it. And, you know, yes, it is time consuming, but in the end, I understood it way better. And now I can apply that knowledge- right away usually or go back and you know talk to people that know how to that know how to do it and actually talk in their language so yeah it's it's really tough being a solo developer because you can't go in a regular work environment you would go to your you know mentor or your team and be like hey can you guys get me started on this and they would give you the documentation that you would need they would give you the tutorials usually or they would give you the starter project and tell you where to start that's in an ideal environment i realize that even in some in a lot of instances your team or your people are so busy that they just kind of tell you to do it and you're stuck in the same situation so it's an important skill to have
1: i honestly think that's a good capstone to the the web news to be honest Um, before i start piling on more questions um i think this was a great episode just as a sort of finale part of the conclusion i think this was a really great episode Uh, i I don't think it could have been done at at a better time and i think megan was super insightful Um, As well as you were super insightful, Mike, in the web news as well. So hopefully this helps somebody out there who's struggling. uh, I know it's helped me. Uh, Definitely. I know Mike's grabbed a few tips and I've grabbed a few tips, as we've said in the episode as well. Uh, so thank you for tuning in, and uh, as we always do, time to thank our three dollar three dollar tier patrons. So that's uh, Sean from Rabbit JavaScript. Find him at youtubecom RabbitWorksJavaScript. Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design. Find him at localpathcomputing.com. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital. Find him at blueblackdigital.com. Chris from Self Made Web Designer. Find him at selfmadewebdesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker. Find him at thewebhacker.com and DL Ford from dl4.io. Remember, we're at uh, patreon.com slash things, and I'm going to let this outro sign
0: us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast web development web design and small business we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings and we hope you had some fun we'll be back soon but in the meantime hit us up on social media on Facebook Instagram and patreon at HTML all the things and on Twitter at HTML everything until next time this is HTML all the things. Signing off.